So I think that's an option. The other thing that I, I'm just throwing out there. Are you going to say the T word? What? Trade. What's up and welcome to the Crude Oil Podcast, a weekly uncensored Edmonton Oilers podcast with your hosts, Sean and Greg. What's up and welcome back to the Crude Oil Podcast. It's the Gator episode, Jason Smith, baby. Episode number 21. Oh, it's funny. We were both going through like the list of all the different Oilers that wore 21. There's really not a lot that stand out, eh? Uh, in terms of actual like length of time serving as an oiler it's jason smith with eight years mm. and then randy Gregg with seven years during the like peak 80s oilers that's true that is true dr randy Gregg to you sean ah, yes 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 <laughs> lots going on how's your weekend going oh not bad quiet weekend after last weekend so oh it's yeah nice. i had a busy one but you know uh, you trade them one for one but um we're recording on uh i guess halloween eve uh we so uh, that being said, uh, God forbid anything happens crazy tomorrow, but uh, I think we're sitting okay to record a day before. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a good idea because we don't want to get interrupted by kids trick-or-treating and things like that. Yeah, so. exactly. It's a, it's a precaution. <laughs> Lots going on this week, man. Three different games. Um, we, we got St. Louis, Chicago. We got the Battle of Alberta. Um, all three W's, but we, we got to get into them because a lot's happened. Yeah, and uh, we might as well just jump right into it. And we'll Go start for it. with the first game where the Oilers defeat the Blues 3-1. to Much more exciting game than uh, the last game they played on the other Saturday there. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was a great effort all around. We can pick apart the game a little bit if we want. Um, we'll just kind of go goal by goal, and then we'll kind of recap the game a little bit after we're done flipping through that. Yeah. So first of all, the Oilers score the first goal of the game. Love to see that. Whenever they score the first goal of the game, I get excited. And it's a good night. I just picture that stat I saw every single time where it's like the past three years, the Edmonton's won 90% of the games they score first. So that's all I can think about when I see that. Um, but I'll start with McDavid with a nice breakout pass to Pugliarvi, who then had a nice cross ice area pass to Fogel, who drove the net, took it behind the net instead of shooting, and threw it to the middle, which... I'll get into later on a different goal, but I don't really love when that usually happens. Mm. Um, But luckily it went all the way to the point to Nurse, who fired it far side and completely sniped it. Yeah. And apparently Pugliarvi tipped it and got credit for the goal. I I saw a different um, replay of that from the the St. Louis side, and he did get a piece of it, but um, I'm interested to hear what your take is there. Well, the, I think he just like kissed it really, and it just barely it changed just direction. A, just enough, just enough. It, it might have been like even just like a change up for Bennington. Um, the one thing that I was just looking at that combo of players, like that's something you will never get when you're running like your your twelve forwards. So that was kind of interesting to see. Oh, the pull Yarvi Fogel with McDavid. Yeah, yeah. So that yeah, was well, an interesting. That's kind of the benefit of running eleven forwards, though, is that we get to play McDavid with everybody essentially, mm-hmm. or dry saddle with everybody. It was nice to see Darnell Nurse with just a simple wrister on net, though. Yeah, well, to be fair, like I don't want to be too hard on Nurse, but usually he misses the net on those. So I'm just happy that he hit the net in that position because I feel like that happens quite a bit, and he just completely tries to pick the corner and misses completely. Yeah, get it, please. I'm dying to hear this. Why don't you like this this uh, this screen th- uh, screen throw? 
Which one? Well, did I say screen throw? When yeah. you throw it up into the slot. That's what uh, you don't like, Well, right? when you go behind the net and you throw it into the slot. So I'll get into it eventually, but I think it was in the Hawks game mm. where they did the exact same thing where Hyman drove behind the net instead of Fogel. He threw it out front, but there was literally nobody there. And then it just went the other way. Odd man rush. Anthony Sioux got that breakaway and scores. So it's a high-risk, high-reward play. Gotcha. And that's why I don't necessarily love it. Mm-hmm. I love getting the puck to the net, but I'd rather see him go a little bit further past the net and throw it a, like maybe more cross-crease than throwing it back with the momentum going toward the point because that creates a, more of an opportunity for a turnover with uh, the defenseman coming in and pinching. Yeah. So personally, I just don't like when that happens. So yeah. Yeah. Seems like most of the time Edmonton's defense has been pinching a lot and that has resulted in all man rushes the other way. <laughs> so we really need to figure that out. And those kind of plays can burn us really hard when we're doing that. Yeah. Okay. That I see where your point is there. That makes sense. Uh, I didn't see anything like the first period was kind of, it was, it was quiet. I mean, there, there's a few chances, but it was actually nice to see, uh, like not a huge event period like we will talk about when we get into the Chicago game but uh everything kind of seemed relatively uh close between the first period um jumping into the second I mean it it was just it was I feel like these two teams are going to match up really well together against each other yeah I think there's a lot of um they're very defensive we're very offensive so I think it's a good clash of two different systems Versus mm-hmm. like Chicago and Edmonton when they play, where it's just back and forth and back and forth. It's just a track meet, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, uh, I, honestly, the only thing I wanted to touch on with the second period was just the the power play goal by Ryan O'Reilly. Um, first off, you hate to have a goal scored on you in the last dying seconds of a period. Well, last minute, let alone the last five it, yeah, seconds. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Granted, he's on a power play, but. Does Ryan O'Reilly ever fucking miss? Like, the guy is just a weapon. To be fair, I watched that replay, and it goes off the point. It's a high, like, three feet off the ice. Big rebound from Skinner. So it's high up, so it's like, okay, that's not so bad. O'Reilly bats it out of the air, not even into the net, but straight sideways. But Skinner's out because he was challenging the shot from the point. So it goes off Skinner's back and in. Okay. So it it was Still, though. I yeah. mean, <laughs> Ryan O'Reilly is clutch as fuck. I'll give him that. That was, yeah. I, I thought, of course, like if, if there's going to be someone that bats it out of the middle of the air, it's yeah. going to be him. I don't blame anybody really on that play. Maybe the shot yeah. shouldn't have got through. Mm-hmm. But at, at the very least, that was impressive play by O'Reilly. So it's hard to blame anyone for it. <laughs> that being said, another power play goal against in a game. But I digress. Um, jumping to the third period, just because there's lots of like... Uh, there's a lot of different play stuff I want to get into after we recap these three games. A lot of questions I, I want to pose to you and ideas just where, we, where we're at moving forward. Um, so is there anything other than the Nuge goal like that, that stuck out beforehand to you? Cause, um, for the rest of this game? No, just uh, up until like halfway through the third because I, I felt it was pretty tight checking. The Oilers had their chances. but Yeah, I um, think it was, a, it was a very great game for the goalies. That's yes. what I'll say. Yes. Like both Skinner and Bennington made huge saves for their team. Both kept their team in the game to keep it a very tight one goal game. Mm-hmm. Uh, or sorry, not even a one goal game. as uh, like a tie game for pretty much the entire time. Um, the only, yeah. yeah, the only thing that I was really worried about is that Darnell Nurse penalty early on in the third. Um, 
It's just, Nurse has taken some rough penalties he, the past few games. And the thing that drives me nuts about them is that they're timely. Like, they're in crucial spots. Like, you, sh- yeah. you, you can't be taking those. Especially with an A on your jersey, that's a tough look. Um, but speaking of batting pucks out of the middle of the air, Ryan Nugent Hopkins is on a fucking heater. Oh, he is playing better than I've seen him play in a very long time. And it's like the classic Nuge, sniper Nuge that we're seeing. He's found a shot again, mm-hmm. which versus last season, where I don't think he could buy a goal for the first at least half of the year. It was almost embarrassing at one point. <laughs> um, and like it makes our power play more effective when he can actually shoot the puck, so he feels like he's an actual threat. And I think... He, he previously has struggled on McDavid's wing, mm-hmm. but something has changed in the way he, that he's playing this season especially. Maybe it's the lack of pressure because we have more winger depth, so he doesn't feel as much pressure to be the guy mm-hmm. that he can kind of just relax and focus on his game and focus on getting good shots off and things like that, getting better positioning. So I don't know what it is about his game. So here's my thought. Um, just looking at the way that the line shook up, I think... I'm a big believer that when you're setting up lines, you have pairs that you don't like to break up. And I think Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Zach Hyman are made for each other. I just think they're very complimentary players. They they can move up and down the lineup from basically line one to line three. And then when your third person that you add in is Connor McDavid, it's not a bad third man on the on the line, hey? Yeah. But... <laughs> um, for the, for the last, I don't know how many games, even back into the, the playoffs, it's been Hyman with McDavid. They're very complimentary to each other. Yeah. And so I think just mixing the three together, I'm really happy with this combo. So is that more what Edmonton's doing right now, is they are pairing all the wingers together? I, I think that's what's going on, because I think when you look at, uh, maybe not... That's a good question. Because well, I with, feel like in the top nine, yeah. they have Nuge Hyman, they yeah. have Kane Yamamoto, and then they have Pugliarvi Fogel. Well, and I think you have to do that as a um, if you're going to run the, the team under the guise of a, a 7 and 11 yeah. structure. Like to be fair, gonna... they didn't do that in the Calgary game. True. Because Holloway came back. Right. And I think he was back in the Hawks game too, but with all of the penalties, which we'll get into, he didn't really get into the game. Um <laughs> But yeah, I think that seems to be what Woodcroft's strategy is, which I really like because I'm so tired of like players playing all over the place that we always got with Tippett. So this is a nice, relaxing feeling because we actually have wingers who can consistently play and we can roll lines. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, yeah, other than that, it was, it was tight checking. The St. Louis never lets up. Like I, At no point in the game did I think it was locked down even after that uh, uh, Nuge goal, so... I was gritting my teeth for the last five minutes, but uh, Hyman with uh, the empty net goal. Hey, it was a great block by Nurse to Thank stop you that from getting that to the net. Yeah. Because as much as shit that people like to give Nurse, he's still a great defenseman, and it, we have absolutely. to give him props whenever we can. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, he had this great block. He pretty much had a goal in this game, and I'm still sitting here, like, half-talking shit. <laughs> but, like, he played great and played easily, what, 25 minutes that game? I mm-hmm. didn't check the actual time on ice, but I'm assuming he probably did. It's a, it's a shoe in 24-10, so you're right, yeah. Um, uh, the only last thing I want to just mention with the St. Louis game is um, from a, if we look at last week, I'm pretty sure on the podcast that I said that Skinner's probably going to get the Chicago game. And I thought it was just a matchup thing. Um, and, uh, to be honest with you, he was absolutely lights out and we'll get into some thoughts. Like he was just gigantic. 
He's been making the saves that we haven't been getting for years, which are the timely clutch saves, and not giving up a bad goal. Mm-hmm. So, for example, the, like we mentioned, the goal he gave up in this game, it wasn't a bad goal. Like, yes, it was a big rebound, but it was like three feet off the ice, and O'Reilly, to a degree, just kind of got lucky. So I don't really blame that. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know. Um I digress. We move into the Chicago game. I, I honestly, I got through the day and I, I fucking forgot that there was a, uh, um, a game that night. Oh really? Yeah. Like wow. I, I was, I had other stuff going on and then I was like, Oh shit. And life. But with that being said, it sounds like I missed a lot. Yeah. It was easily the longest second period of my life. Yeah. Uh, just for reference, as we get into things, uh, I did go back and rewatch the game. That was a tough period to watch, but oh man, I've never. I think during an entire period, I've never yelled at my TV more in my life. Yeah, uh, man. <laughs> Might as well dive into this one. Um, this was a Connor McDavid takeover night. Like, yeah, it ended up resulting in that. It yeah, un unbelievable. We've seen a few of him. Um, a few of those type of games, but uh, he started right off the bat with uh, um, that uh, uh, the one-timer to Hyman. Like, absolute crisp pass. Oh, it was a great pass and a great shot by Hyman. And uh, it's funny because they had that exact same play probably like two minutes later with Hyman from the shot from the same point. Luckily for the Hawks, Stalock was able to get across. Mm-hmm. But that seems to maybe be a kind of set play between the two of them. Yeah, and Hyman just goes into that shooting position, and McDavid knows to find him there. Yeah, yeah, they're uh, they're a good pair together. Um, okay, the this is this next goal, I guess, is basically what you were chatting about in the game before. Yeah, so yeah, Hyman drove the net, went behind the net instead without shooting, threw it out front to nobody, immediately turned it over to Domi, who had the great stretch pass to Anthony Siu, who beat Campbell. As Campbell tried to stretch across, he couldn't keep his pad flat and across the ice, so it went under that little uh, divot right where your foot is and trickled in. So that was kind of unfortunate. Um, I noticed that nurse had jumped up into the play and Nuge was supposed to cover for him. <laughs> yeah. And Nuge kind of got a little too aggressive and went all the way to the Chicago blue line and didn't catch that Anthony CU was turning around once that turnover happened. So, and we all know how fast Anthony CU can be. So there was no catching him at that point. I mean, that was going to be my next question. Do we really fucking know anything about Anthony CU? Like when he comes here, come here my words um when he came here like I, I don't know if he just decided to take two months off and was just an absolute zero while he's here that's usually how anthony cu always is to be fair yeah he has generally no hands to go with those speed or with that speed yeah so he will once in a while score on one of these breakaways because he does get a lot of breakaways i, I just mean like just he a was, numbers game yeah he was lights out in la when they uh, uh faced us he was pretty good uh, that's just former Oilers syndrome though, isn't that's it? That's true. Yeah, I should. Yeah. I keep forgetting we have this disease that we carry around and we can't get rid of, but you know, speaking of former Oilers, <laughs> the Hawks then scored their second goal with a point shot from uh, Caleb Jones. Um, and with that point shot, there was a huge rebound from, uh, Campbell that left, um, this Johnson guy, never heard of him, um, <laughs> out front. It wasn't Tyler Johnson. He's hurt. I have heard of him. Um, I think it's Reed Johnson left him out out front wide open just backhand forehand easy goal yeah the rebounds are going to be a theme of this game uh, I think we saw a lot of them 
Well, the rebounds and lost coverage on the defensive zone. Like, I don't really know what's going on with our, like, communication with our defensemen, but it has been great. Well, and I wonder, too, it depends on the team that you match up. Like, it seems like our, our defense is very reactionary to the, as they should be, to the, the team that they're playing. But it's almost as if when we're playing, like, a track meet type team against the Oilers, it's always is almost we lose a little bit of the, like, slow it down kind of stuff that Duncan Keith brought a lot to the Edmonton yeah. Oilers. Now we're talking about how much everybody misses <laughs> Duncan Keith again. Speaking of the Hawks. Um, but, no, it's just uh, it's something that uh, they'll improve on. I know we'll touch on Calgary. I thought they did a lot, uh, a lot better of a job there. But, um, yeah, just rebounds. Rebounds, man. Yeah, um, I find it kind of funny because we I remember specifically, I'm sure you can go back and listen to after the preseason, maybe the first couple games of the year, I remember talking up how good of rebound control I thought Campbell was having. And I know. Now he's just kind of falling apart or falling apart in that department. Campbell's fighting the puck. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a note for that a little in a little bit. Um so starting the second, the Edmonton Oilers for some reason, they they love to start the second and the thirds. They they just love it. Um, we've seen it in a bunch of different games, but uh, Connor McDavid scoring 18 seconds in to tie things up. It's always nice when you're down a goal to start a period. Like, what are we going to get? Are we going to bounce back? But to get it like within the first minute, it's almost like a okay. Now let's start playing our game. It made me think that it was going to be like a classic Oilers period where we just throttle them for the whole period. Right. But uh, the refs, on the other hand, had a different opinion on whether that was going to happen. Yeah, this is where the whole <laughs> shebang started again. Um, obviously, this uh, the first period. How many penalties are in the first? There's just two, right? I th- yeah. think so. One against Holloway, one against Tenorti. And uh, yeah, 26 seconds in, Jack Campbell gets the puck over glass. Obviously, cannot fight that penalty. Uh, it happens just, from time to time. There's nothing much yeah, you can do about it. Yeah, but uh, that immediately leads to a, a, uh, a Jonathan Taves answer, and all of a sudden you're down again. Um, Kane Taves, like, how many years into this league, and they're still, like, elite hockey players? Yeah, the, Kane especially. Like, he's yeah hasn't lost a step. Taves lost a bit of a step, especially missing a whole year, but they're both still elite players, so... I know there was a lot of talk about picking up Patrick Kane. Mm-hmm. Um, the only way I could see that happening is double retention at any point. But mm-hmm. I have no issue with us going for somebody like Patrick Kane. But with that being said, I'd rather improve our defense. Because, for example, on that goal, that was Kane passing cross-ice to Domi, who then passed it back cross-ice, back door to Taves. And during that, I watched Nurse and CeCe. They were the two defensemen. They were just running back and forth with those passes and completely lost who was covering Taves, who was in the middle, mm-hmm. and just had a wide-open, easy tip into the net again. And you can't leave these guys wide open and expect not to be punished for it. Yeah. I Speaking of Max Domi, I thought... I, I mean, he put up three points, but I thought he was, like, electrifying for them. I, I don't understand how a guy like that has been traded... I don't know how many times. I don't know if he's finally found his game. I don't know if there's something going on that's different. I don't know. I'm not going to speculate. Um, but this is the one isolated game. I guess I got to pay a lot of attention to him. But I thought he was fantastic for the for the Hawks. Yeah, he was pretty dangerous out there the whole time. I was concerned when he had the puck in good shooting positions. Yeah. Um, so the penalties start right after the Taves goal, essentially. And they don't stop, basically, for, well, 10 minutes, essentially. <laughs> At least, if not the rest of the goddamn game. Yeah. Okay. Let's. Uh, there's Nima Linen, uh, called for interference. 
consequentially, about a minute later, Seth Jones called for slashing. Uh, things died down. And then in the the Evander Kane thing, I didn't understand. The cross-checking, why is that a double minor? Uh, the refs hate Kane, for one. <laughs> so, like, the first penalty, I can't argue with that. Like, yeah. He yeah. kind of lost his temper a little bit, and I was like, okay, cool. And then he comes in and cross-checks him after the fact. And, like, if they're going to be calling cross-checking, like they told us they were going to last year, you call that a penalty. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's fine. But you got to call those every single fucking game if you're going to call them like that and call a double minor on that kind of bullshit. It's it's weird because it's almost like they're using that second penalty to set a precedent. Like if you're if you're going to cause a scene after there's a penalty call like we'll just give you a double like yeah. and they were not afraid to, to you know keep the whistle out the entire game. So um, I, I realized that I, I kept going up through the, the penalties here. Oh no, it was after that that Connor McDavid scored. That was that. That was a power play goal. Yes. Yeah. There was several power play goals <laughs> coming up here. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, just the overall power plays: Edmonton three for seven, the Blackhawks a whopping two for fucking ten. Like, <laughs> it's like the Vancouver game where it's like you had so many chances to score. Yeah. Um, yeah. You but, don't want to see in the post game comments where if there was like Hawks fans being like, if we would have got that extra power play, <laughs> that would have made the difference. So very true. Um, yes. Watching Nuge, McDavid, and Dreisaitl, though, on a four-on-three is the most disgusting passing I've ever seen in my life. Just the three of them in a triangle, just pass, 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 pass. Yeah. It was, uh, I think the three of them. Three of them? Three well, them? the Can three of them plus yeah. boot, well, noted net you front just presence, whoever, Evan yeah. <laughs> I remember watching that game. And there was multiple times where Edmonton had a couple four-on-threes. And it was like, "Why? where's Bouchard? Bouchard, where are you going? Why are you in front of the net? I was like, <laughs> if you're going to put Bouchard in front of the net, just, like, put Hyman out there or something like that. Like, I'm guessing Bouchard was out there in case they lost the offensive zone faceoff. Right. Um, but as soon as I saw him floating toward the net, I was so confused. <laughs> I was like, why, why is this happening? What's going on? But yeah. hey, it worked out. So what am I? What am I to say about any, any of that? Exactly. Um, again, the Oilers fight off a lot of uh, opportunities from the Blackhawks after the uh, McDavid uh, goal. But ultimately, we have to get into the Evander Kane saga. At uh, I'll let you go first because I I didn't see the game. I came back with about ten minutes left in the third, and I texted you back saying like I just saw this because I know you were like, "What the hell is going on?" Like, um, th- there was chaos in the Sean household. It was the single most infuriating moment of watching hockey that I've ever had. Really? Just like literally, nobody knew what the fuck was going on. There was no explanation for it, and like I've completely lost faith in the refs. Period. For play like that like if it goes to review i never trust them to get the right decision ever mm-hmm. again because that was the single most blatant non-goaltender interference thing i've ever seen in my life devil's advocate i think kane sold it a little bit he was pushed however the thing that i'm really upset about is the lack of there was it's like the call on the ice stands it's no goal well they're like the call on the ice was no goal and like all you see in the replay is the ref just like motioning like, yeah. yeah, that's a goal. Yeah. That's a goal. And I saw the wide angle. He's the only one on the goal line. None of the other guys are around. So, like, why are they deferring to the other three referees to be like, it might have been goalie interference. Let's call yeah. it no goal. 
Like, you're the goal line referee, and you don't call that, like, what do you mean? Yeah. I don't understand. Like, you are in the best position. It's like the the ref in the far corner of the ice calling a penalty when the the other ref who's right beside him doesn't call it. And you're mm-hmm. like, you need to just keep your mouth shut over there because you cannot <laughs> you see shut what just mouth. happened. So why are you calling that as a fucking penalty? Yeah. Yeah, so, I... I agree. I I was playing devil's advocate just to throw that out, but I think to that point, like, if it's if it's gonna be interference and that's what you're gonna call it, fucking blow it down before it gets to the point before the rebound gets kicked out to Kane. Like, there there is ample time for Staylock to get up. Yeah. Um, I, I just hot, thought the whole play was a big clusterfuck. Yeah. I don't know how you could review that play too, and just call that. St- call it goalie interference essentially i don't know how you could be i understand where you're coming from with the devil's advocate thing yeah because i watch it and kane gets pushed and rather than maybe not fall on the goalie he kind of just goes like okay this is happening and just kind of like belly flops on top of the goalie but the the reason i was just gonna say that is the uh the nhl review team whatever they fucking release the video and the justification for their rule and if you look it's a fucking iso cam that they show just focusing on the puck play and it gets back to the point the shot goes off and all of a sudden like the only thing you see is in the corner is just this big fucking collision and then it goes back rebound open night like that's an easy call for someone who didn't see the whole thing yeah like of course that's gonna look like goaltender interference so i hope to god they are using all of their cameras and they're slowing things down but well, it doesn't even go to Toronto. It's just the refs on their iPad for, like, challenges like that. So it's just those refs watching that play on their iPad be like, mm, was it goalie interference or not? But, uh, I like, they should have more camera angles. I, sorry, I meant the they should have more visibility. I don't know if the point of the challenge and the fact that it's, a, it's basically a challenge the referees call that they have to make a decision based on the discretion of their own call. I don't know. But, well, like, it's so stupid. Like, challenges in general, in my opinion, should always go. There should be somebody in Toronto, like a third party reviewing it. Because mm-hmm. you're assess- essentially asking somebody to check their own work. Yeah, exactly. It's like a complete fucking joke. They're like, I'm not going to watch this and call back the decision I made. Yeah. Because then it makes me look bad. So, why the fuck would I do that? Of course. So, I have no clue what they're thinking with that. And it goes into also that the refs need to be held accountable and need to be available for questioning essentially for why the fuck this game even happened the way that it did right so like i'd love to see because i think it's the nfl for example the refs have media availability afterwards so i would love to see a ref in front of the in front of the camera after this game and be like so why did you decide to call literally every penalty ever ever in existence yeah which leads into after this they do call it Mm -hmm. a no goal call in the ice stands we get a penalty Right. And then mid-play, they decide to give Evander Kane a fucking unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Yeah. From what I've heard from a couple of sources online is that the entire Oilers bench was talking shit to the refs and calling them, like, fucking terrible. And that's why they gave Edmonton a penalty, specifically Kane, whatever. That's why they gave them a two-minute penalty rather than giving Kane a 10-minute misconduct is because they wanted to punish the whole team, not just Kane. Right. So I get why they're doing that, but at the same time, you're a fucking professional referee. Like, suck it up a little bit, and, like, why the fuck are you giving them a bench minor for that shit? But when there's no accountability, you can do whatever the fuck you want, like you said. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, the ref is just sitting there and be like, I am going to decide the outcome of this game. (laughs) Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The thing I kept saying to people, I was like, 
who's the most noticeable player on the ice tonight? It was like the referees. <laughs> Easily. But at the end of the day, I guess uh, there, there's definitely games where you have to gripe and there's some legitimacy to all of that, um, which I would agree with you inside with you on this one. Uh, the Oilers have to respond. Um, unfortunately, it was it was that goal that uh, or that power play that uh, Max Domi gave the uh, the Hawks the lead again. Um, well, speaking of like penalties, you want to kill off and you need to kill off yeah. for your team. Yeah, like you guys need to kill that one off. They were so in their head, and I just wanted this goddamn period to end so badly because I was losing my mind. I couldn't imagine how the players felt. Yeah, well. That being said, <laughs> oh, I saw the best gif, by the way, of my life, What's which that? was uh, the Dylan Holloway "What the fuck" thing. <laughs> Kane goes to the bench, and it's just Holloway in the background looks at the replay. He's like, "What the fuck?" It's the most <laughs> audible, like you could read his lips moment I've ever seen. Oh, that's great. That's great. Thank God for the internet nowadays. Um, the Oilers get uh, a power play late in the period. Nothing really uh, working on it, so you get a. F- clean sheet to start uh, off the period and honest to god i cannot stand uh power plays that start at the um or are ongoing at the start of a next frame like you're coming on it's a fresh sheet of ice you've got like you've been sitting for 17 minutes like i always get super nervous but nuge cashes in 24 seconds in and we've got a square game i mean that was Possibly the most I've ever seen Drysdale move his feet on a power play before. Yeah. You notice how he usually would get that puck and just sit there and go forehand, backhand a few times looking for a good pass? But instead, he drove the net and went behind the net onto his patented backhand pass and made it a great pass to Nuge, backdoor. Yeah. And Nuge continuing his uh, his success story with shooting the puck. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, it was uh, That feed was everything uh, on that play. Yeah. Um, and then, so this is basically when I my, when I tuned in to see everything, um, I was, like, debating. I was like, do I watch the game or do I just, like, go to bed? So I flipped on the TV, and literally I'm just kind of half-ass paying attention because I know it's, I've got it recorded. I'm going to watch it later. And I see the pass to Connor McDavid and the little whoop-de-doo around McCabe, and that goal, like, fucking fired me up that was insane you go from like should i watch this game to watching that goal you're like oh i'm finishing this game yeah it's, it's like <laughs> why did i what was i thinking um just an unreal move like you gotta wonder too with uh him coming in i know Connor mcdavid's a very cerebral player but did he have enough time to realize that i know who i'm shooting against with with alex Stalock? do i know how i can beat him just the like inside out and just like beat some five holes so quickly that puck was in and out of the net before he's his knees hit the ice mcdavid just had a moment where he slowed down time there i count <laughs> yeah. i counted the moves yeah. like it hit once it hit his stick he went forehand and there's like backhand forehand around mckay backhand forehand backhand forehand forehand boom like it's in it, eight moves in less than a second it was insane i was it like was... how the fuck did you do that <laughs> it's moments like that where it's like you kind of forget what you're watching you're like wow Oh, it's just like, it blows your mind. Yeah. We are possibly, next to the people who probably got to watch Prime Gretzky, like the luckiest people ever to be able to watch McDavid through his entire Prime. But it's not even, yeah, because it's not like you're, uh, like all of the the memes, the slowdowns, the freaking, yeah, just just very, very lucky. I I would agree with you there. It's just so clutch, too. Yeah. Um, 
And then things kind of slow thing, or uh, as the game slows to an end here. I guess the game really never slowed down at all. It felt like it was at like a hectic pace the entire game. So here's the most important thing about this game. No team had more than one goal lead at any point. Yeah. There was yeah. never a two goal lead. Yeah. It felt like a tug of war, like yeah. back and forth the entire game. It was the most roller coaster game that I've watched in a while. <laughs> so I have two thoughts on this uh, Patrick Kane goal. Uh, I know that we've been talking about this game for a long time here. Um, so quickly, uh, that rebound that just kind of got kicked out. Yeah, I know you mentioned that uh, um, Campbell's fighting rebounds, but it got cleared. There's three Oilers sitting in the slot, uh, most notably Tyson Berry. Just get a stick on it out of the way. I mean, that's the perfect world is that they get the stick on it. Just to be fair, was Barry the one who was between Campbell and yeah, Kane? Yeah. Like, he had turned to where the puck was going toward Campbell, and then he had to keep turning. So I don't think he fully knew where the puck was by the time Kane was shooting it for him to be able to react in time. But I do agree that it's kind of embarrassing when you see the puck land between three of the Oilers players and Kane manages to get that shot off. Yeah. But, I don't know. But, and that kind of adds to the whole goal in the first place because it starts with McCabe essentially getting it on the left side and being able to walk in from the top of the circle to the bottom of the circle to take a shot mm-hmm. because four player, Oilers players were on the other side of the ice with two of the Chicago players. You're like, yeah. why is everybody over there? Who got lost in the coverage and decided to go over there and somebody decided not to cover? I was very confused with what had happened. I think it was just a clusterfuck of a play to begin with. Um, but it was kind of uh, embarrassing defensive coverage. Yeah. And I don't want to blame the defense really on that one because the forward, somebody's, one of those forwards needs to be up high covering. Oh, yeah. He should not be able to walk in like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just the second thing I was going to mention is I I heard the uh, Chicago call, and I don't know who does their color. I don't know if he forgot to hit his mute button, but just the loud, woo! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's just so funny. Yeah. Like I don't whatever. talk about not being a homer for your own team. <laughs> ah. The real Jack Edwards moment. <laughs> and then finally, just so we can put this game to rest, Leon Dryside, I'll clutch on his twenty seventh birthday. How you fucking doing? That was that's the dream that I always want from Edmonton is to score those last minute goals and be like, fuck the loser point, fuck overtime. We're winning this game now. Yeah. Thirty six, thirty seven seconds left. It, it, beautiful. It was uh, a great end to the Chicago game. Uh, only other takeaway from that game is uh, I love the clip with uh, Spectre being like, it is your birthday, and the classic uh, <laughs> the classic response, I know. <laughs> yeah. Just like, Spectre's like, did you know it's your birthday? Yeah. It's like, oh, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of response? It, yeah. Um, okay, let's jump into Calgary. Sorry, before we jump into that, I just oh, wanted my to mention there were 20 minor penalties in that game. Just that, to cap it all off. That's how many fucking penalties there were called. Uh, there's got to be so, getting close to a record, hey? And with that being said, this is one point that I wanted to leave this game off with. Is all of the Oilers fans, including us, who complain about missed penalties and everything like that. This is what happens <laughs> when is... they call every single penalty that happens in the game. Including a couple bad ones. But this is what happens when they call everything. And they yeah. don't miss things or let things go. So keep that in mind next time you're like, the refs fucked us because they didn't call enough penalties. It's like, are you sure you want them to do that? Yeah, this is the NHL that you're asking for. Because we're a little blind sometimes and we miss the penalties that we take in favor of watching the other team take penalties against us that get missed. But I've I've been spending some time just going on the other team's subreddits and stuff after games to see how people feel about it from the other team. 
And most of the time, they're like, blatant penalty miss. What the fuck? This is bullshit. And all that. I'm like, if you guys want to call everything, this is what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, heading in, Battle of Alberta, round number two. Obviously, Calgary with the first game. Uh, this time in the Dome, it was nice to uh, um, be back in the uh, the second building that the Edmonton Oilers own. Um, but the first period, pretty, uh, pretty quiet. Before we even get into it... Um, what was your thoughts with the start with Skinner? I was excited because yeah. he did so well against the Blues and Campbell seemed to struggle a bit against the Hawks. So I like that. I think it all comes down to Woodcroft having familiarity with Skinner from Bakersfield and him having the confidence in Skinner is amazing to watch because once again, I'm going to bring up Tippett. He never really seemed to have a lot of confidence in his rookie players, but that's definitely not Woodcroft. To be fair, maybe it's just players he's familiar with, like McLeod and like Skinner, um, because Holloway hasn't been getting a lot of ice time. But yeah, it's still very, very impressive to see him having that confidence in his players and rewarding players for playing well. Yeah, and it, he's just uh, he's doubling down on his comment at the start of the season, like we're gonna we're gonna evaluate as we go. And yeah. I think it was kind of ultimately, if you're looking at the performance from all the goalies so far this year, it was the right choice. Um, but I don't think there's much argument from there other yeah. than anybody, people who are like, Oh, give Campbell another chance. Like that's mm-hmm. the only other argument you could make is that like Campbell needs to get more comfortable, maybe get a few more starts to really like settle in with our defensive system and learn how to properly mesh with that. Mm-hmm. But this is the regular season now and we're trying to make the playoffs. So you play whoever's playing the best, regardless of circumstance. I kind of disagree with that. Kind of disagree with that. Um, I, I like the start with, uh, the start with Skinner for this game, but I think you need to get your, your horse running eventually. Kind of like we had with Smith. Uh, I'm not saying like you, you ride Skinner now. And if he takes over the job, I, I still think you give Skinner right now two to every three games until like Campbell starts heating back up. If Campbell doesn't get there, he doesn't get there. Well, I would, we'll get into this after yeah. this game. Right. Before we, uh get too much and yeah. ruin our discussion for later <laughs> uh yeah so no goals in the first period but it sounded like every fucking shot went off of the post um uh, at least for edmonton's side yeah edmonton had a couple great chances i think hyman hit the post once nuge absolutely ringed the post once mm-hmm. continuing his uh his legendary goal scoring season for nugent hopkins yeah he could crack 30 this year at the pace he's going if he can keep shooting the way he is they're, he's getting great feeds from McDavid. Has great positioning, and honestly, it's just a matter of time. I think at this point. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think, or I don't think that's uh, an unrealistic expectation there, but or uh, outcome, maybe not expectation. Um, the only thing I'll say about the first period is, is nice to see a zero-zero Oilers Calgary game. Yeah, at this point, whenever Edmonton specifically gets out of the first period and it's like even, then I'm pretty happy because we've had some pretty shitty first periods this season so breaking even is chef's kiss (laughs) would agree uh we'll jump into the second the oilers get onto a power play um kind of sloppy passing going around and it ultimately leads to a backland breakaway and a shorty against i hate those kinds of goals listen hate them i don't really blame Barry, like, yes, it was a weak keep in by him on this on this play. Um, but 
Drysaddle and McDavid are both right there. And rather, like, because it took them two attempts to get it past Barry, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than seeing Barry kind of struggle to keep it in the first time and the fact that there was about to be a battle for the puck, neither one of them reacted to start backchecking and cover Backlund while Backlund started leaving the zone. They pinched a little bit too much offensively, hoping, just essentially hoping that Barry made that play, and it really burned them. And I understand it's a power play, but still, like, you got to be there for your teammates. And even if one of you guys goes back, you're still going to have, like, an even, like, four-on-four in the offensive zone. The the thing that I cannot stand with a power play is you have one extra man on the ice than the other team. There is zero fucking reasons that they should have the puck. It's true. There's there's no excuse. You should like, be able to send two guys after the puck carrier everywhere yeah. you go. Play man-on-man, man and then one guy chases the puck. And in theory, obviously, I don't have any experience coaching, and I would never try. <laughs> but... No, no, you're absolutely right. Like, ah. So the Oilers down one nothing uh, early in the second, but it took all of 33 seconds for them to respond with, uh, okay, I'm going to throw this out here. I have a new nickname for Zach Hyman. Okay. I'm going to call him. Uh, this is a proposal because I think uh, he's been showing up. I think we saw it in the playoffs. Um, he loves the Calgary Flames. So how about uh, Hyman the Fireman? Hyman the Fireman? Yeah. Why don't we just call him, uh, I was going to say fi- Fireman? Fireman? I don't fireman? know. I'm trying to get Hyman. Fireman? <laughs> it doesn't work that well, but Hyman the Fireman? The the Fireman putting out the flames every single time. Like, he has been so fucking clutch against the flames. I like it. Um, we'll see. We'll, we'll see it. what happens in game three this season. And if, <laughs> if he gets like two goals or three points, like a goal and, a, and two assists or something like that, I will accept that t- nickname. Okay, we'll put it on T-shirts and sell it everywhere. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so the, the quick response, like, just absolutely clutch. Um, that was on the power play, of course. Uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl working their magic. Uh, anything else that you had on that goal? Well, obviously there was the beginning that led up to that goal which was, once again, a Barry versus Backlund battle where Barry lost horribly. Oh, shit. Yes, yes, yes. Resulting in the Backlund breakaway. But rather than shoot, even though he had a lot of time and a good position to shoot, he decided to throw it back in front for Lindholm to try and bury it. In Um, one of the most unreal saves that Skinner had all night. Oh, yeah. It was a fantastic save. And saved from two goddamn shorthanded goals on the same power play. Yeah. Thank the fucking Lord. You ever get, like, such a high that you forget how low you were, like, 10 seconds ago? (laughs) Like, all you think of is the goal and not what led up to it. That's why whenever there's a goal and um, there's highlights afterwards, I always try to watch, like, the 30 seconds that lead up to it to see what happened to make sure to, like, properly reward the players or whatever who helped lead to that goal and made the right play. It's like Yamamoto creating a turnover or something like that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it was it was a great goal, and even if that didn't go off Hannafin's stick and in when he dove for that, like Drysaddle was going to bury that if it made it to him. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there was much of a chance. And some people might be like, "Oh, it's bad luck that it went off Hannafin and in," but it's like we put him in the position to have to do that in the first place. Yeah. So it that's just is what it is. That's the point. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. As just speaking of posts in the first period, I think there was two by Calgary, including one from Huberto. Um, ripped off that post, but uh, something going on in that end of the ice. Uh, finally finishing up the second with in terms of goal scoring, Brett Ritchie left all alone in front. I was going back and, and re-watching this, 
Um, I hate when Lucic sets up someone for a goal. It just fucking it burns. But there's something going on. I don't know. It's either a McDavid assignment or it's an Evan Bouchard assignment. Oh, and I have that noted here in my notes is that oh. somehow the two of them got lost because Lucic was down there. And I don't know how he like has Kulak tying him up and somehow gets Bouchard on the left side of the net and McDavid on the right side sneaking in there yeah. to try and like do that. I don't know how they got miscommunicated that they left Richie wide open out front. Well, so what I saw from the, the back angle is that I was watching first off the two wingers to see if anybody creeped in. Nobody did. But what they did is they swapped wingers in their own zone and the Oilers didn't adjust. Okay. And so McDavid, when they swapped wingers, McDavid's assignment went down into the corner um, and that's why he was covering the front of the net. But at the meantime, you have Bouchard on the other side of the net covering absolutely no one. Yeah, I don't really know what he was doing over there, to be yeah. honest. Because like, I don't think Lucic is much of a threat to be a wraparound expert who's going to come around yeah. that side. So you might as well just take away the guy up front. But sometimes that shit happens. No chance for Skinner mm-hmm. on it. But it's like I said in the Chicago game. like You can't leave a guy wide open out front and expect not to get burned. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, jumping to the third period. Calgary actually controlled a lot of the start of this third period. From what I saw, I I just, I was getting the feelings. I was like, this is going to be a grinded out kind of game. I don't know if the Oilers had it, but it was almost five minutes into the period where I start to feel them picking things up and starting to play a little bit more desperate. Um, and it led to maybe one of the most unrealistic turnarounds that I, ex- like the way the Oilers are playing, they didn't deserve the goal that they got. To but, be to be honest, they didn't necessarily deserve to win based yeah. off of the play, the possession, the shots. Like, um, but to be fair, to be a great team, you sometimes have to be able to pull out wins in games that you're not supposed to have won. Yeah, yeah. whether that's your goalie stealing the game or getting some timely goals and picking apart their goalie who might be a little, I don't know, have somebody in their head. Yeah, like yeah. I think Markstrom should never start another game against the Oilers ever again. Yeah, I, I I, don't understand why he's getting out of the... Like, he's going out behind the back of the net to go knock uh, knock down a puck yeah. that's getting rung around. Like, I, I don't know why he needs to do that. It's shades of Mike Smith, like, right? Yeah. That, that's what I was reading from uh, Calgary fans, is, like, the, the spirit of Mike Smith has never left our net. <laughs> and, like, as an Oilers fan, like, I think we're going to be dealing with that for a while, too, is, like, guys coming out to play the puck, and, like, I always have a mini heart attack every <laughs> single time. It's, um... Yeah, it's one of those classic things where you throw everything on net. You never know what's going to happen. So uh, with that being said, it is important to note that somehow out of that fucking play, I think he was on the bench at the time because he's changing, Dylan Holloway gets his first NHL point. So Dylan Holloway was the one. He was tied up with the puck in our own zone, and he did a slick little between his legs, between the Calgary guys' legs, right to CeCe, who then made the breakout pass. Yeah. Or, like, skated it all the way out and wrapped it around the boards to McDavid. Not not a bad Way to, I guess, get your first point uh, on a McDavid goal. But, I mean, I'm sure <laughs> they can't always be pretty, I guess. Um, and then, finally, Zach Hyman with another absolute clutch goal. Well, it all started it's, with him doing classic Hyman things. Exactly. And uh, him and Nuge both pressuring behind the net was, like, super, super impressive. Like, I'd like to see that from Nuge, especially because he's not exactly known for his forechecking. Um, yeah. So he forced the guy behind the net to make a bad pass. It ended up on Hyman's stick, who yeah. then made the great breakout or the great pass into 
the middle of the ice where McDavid just flew in, picked up, threw it back to Hyman, and off the skate and in. <sighs> Zach Hyman, man. See, that's how you score with your skate without intentionally kicking the puck. Yes. In. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is that a shot at Coleman? <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> it sucks because, like, I used to be, like, a somewhat Devils fan. Right, right. And I loved Blake Coleman. Yeah, yeah. And ever since he's went to the Flames, <laughs> I fucking hate Blake Coleman now. He just seems so so whiny all the time. It's funny because you've given the exact same description on a prior podcast, so it's glad to hear that you're oh, still it's, it's not changing anytime soon. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, yeah, so the Oilers uh, clean up the Flames 3-2. to two, Very tight checking game. Again, one of the games the Oilers didn't really expect or shouldn't have deserved to win. Um, but, I mean, like you said, those are the games you need to. Well, exactly. And I saw some people complaining about the posts, like Flames fans were pissed that they hit three posts or whatever. But I will always say there's a reason why hitting the post does not count as a shot on net. Because you miss the net. Otherwise, you would have scored. <laughs> so before you get mad that you hit the post, try hitting the net instead. Yeah, agreed. Um with that being said, let's dive into a couple things I wanted to chat about. I know we're getting uh, pretty long on this podcast here, but uh, um, speaking of the Calgary game where we saw Stuart Skinner stand on his head, uh, I know you wanted to chat about his, his stats so far. I mean, um, he's leading the league in save percentage. Yeah. That's pretty impressive considering, like, one thing to keep in mind, he has only had, what, three starts and three then starts, the one yeah. relief effort. Where he didn't give it's, up a goal. You know what's fucked is it's it doesn't count as a start, but he stopped thirty one pucks. Oh yeah, it's insane. But um, yeah, I think he's been absolutely outstanding. It's um, he's by far and away the Oilers' best goaltender right now. My thoughts. oh yeah, he's playing very steady. He's playing controlled. He has great positioning, um, and this is why we wanted to get into discussing yeah. what should happen going forward. And like by no means. Do I think Skinner stole the starting job or anything like that? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for the next foreseeable future, for the next five games at least, like he would be, they're playing five games in the next week or so, he should be the starter in three of those. So, yeah, okay, I would agree with that. Like, I was One's looking, a back-to-back, back, um, yeah. and then Campbell will probably have one of the other games. Because they have Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. I would say Tuesday, Skinner, Thursday, and I'm saying this, like, unless Skinner shuts out Nashville on Tuesday, yeah. uh, I think you still give Campbell the start uh, against the Devils on Thursday. I well, said Tuesday. We yeah, need but. to keep in mind, too, that we don't want Campbell to, one, take a shot in his confidence and, like, oh, we're not starting him now. Like, mm-hmm. you got to – I don't want – I don't think he's sensitive or anything like that. But um, – and then you also need to make sure he stays on his game. He can't just sit and practice for two weeks while right. Skinner's on a tear. He still needs to start a few games here and there. Okay, I th- I was wondering what your uh, thoughts are going to be on, but I think we have a pretty uh, pretty similar outlook with how you you start the goaltenders because, um, again, in the long run, you want Skinner to be the guy that steps up to the challenge, regardless of the salary outcomes, the cap. Um, this is a guy that you've developed. I think it speaks well for the organization. You gotta wonder a guy from Edmonton who grew up here. You you saw how much he talked about watching. Nuge grow up, which makes me feel like a fucking dinosaur. Um, but him saying that he grew up idolizing and watching uh, the Oilers and and Nuge in particular in his interview, like, will this guy take some sort of a contract deal to stay in Edmonton to make things work? 
Well, like, we'll see. The, it's the it's cap, way too early. The but... cap might be going up like $4 million next year. And mm-hmm. I think regardless of how well he does, unless he wins the fucking Vesna this year, he probably will take a bridge deal yeah. going into next year so he can get more games and prove that he might be a legit, like a legitimate player. Yeah. But like easily, based off of his performance, I would say that like it feels more like a 1A, 1B um, tandem than it has previously. But or a going really into good 1A, 1B. Oh, yes, I agree. Yeah. And I think it's, it speaks volumes for the organization. And maybe maybe Dustin Schwartz has figured it out. <laughs> it's very possible. Yeah, agreed. Um, okay, that uh, we covered the goaltending stuff there. Um, the only other thing is I know you have a bunch of notes with respect to uh, stuff that happened after the, the three-game road trip. But is there anything in particular you wanted to touch on? Um, well, the number one thing I want to talk about is Nuge. Okay. And like we've mentioned several times, he's on an absolute tear right now. Um, he's scoring like crazy, getting a lot of shots. He's just on he's on par with McDavid and Drysaddle and Kane and stuff. With I think they're all within like five shots of each other. Um, and most importantly, he's way hotter than he was last year. Mm-hmm. So he has five goals this season, and he scored his fifth one in the Chicago game, so in eight games. Last year, it took him 35 games to score five goals. Yeah. It wasn't until February 2nd did he score. <laughs> and this time we're not even out of October and he already has five goals. He's he's on a heater. I just hope this is something that um, he runs with because right now between the way that he's playing and obviously you have the 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 dry sidle contract and stuff and then you add Hyman into what he's making and like you have three extremely high value deals playing for you right now. Yeah. Like I know we've like shit all over the the terrible contracts that the Oilers have had for years and stuff, but you have to acknowledge what we've got right now. Right now, in particular, I know yeah, things well, can change in a week. People but. look at like maybe not the Nuge contract because he's like hometown hero kind of guy, but they look at the Hyman contract and they're like, oh, it's gonna be bad like in five years. But like to be fair, like we will cross that bridge when we get there. Right. Like we need to be winning in the next three to four years. Because we have some other contracts that we want to extend that we need to focus on making sure we're competitive now. And if that means signing a guy to an eight-year deal so he takes a $5 million AAV, then you take that mm-hmm. all day. Yeah, would agree. Okay, uh, the one thing I wanted to bring up is Dylan Holloway. Um, and it's going to kind of go in conjunction with uh, another player on the team. But Dylan Holloway has done as much I think as he can with the ice time that he's given with five minutes of ice time. I will say he played five minutes last night, but he was very noticeable every time he was on the ice, all good things. He was flying out there, had good puck possession, was carrying the puck. Like I was really impressed with everything he was doing and no offense, but he's playing with Derek Ryan. Yeah. Well, Derek Ryan and Devin Shore. And he's like, yeah, it's sorry. Yeah. He's doing like a lot with nothing really. Right. Like, we said he got his first career assist last night, and it was on a line change, mind you, but it was still, like, a good breakout assist, and, like, you need those, too. He's averaging close to seven minutes a game. Obviously, last night was the lowest that he's played the his entire, well, I was going to say his career, but the entire season, which is his career. I was career. kind of surprised how uh, few minutes he got, considering there wasn't a lot of power plays last night. And I didn't understand what he did to deserve that little amount of minutes. Yeah, I understood in the Chicago game, because he yeah. got lost in the shuffle. Yep. Because guys like Shore and Ryan were probably tired from penalty killing, so their line didn't play very much. Um, and then he just kind of got lost in the shuffle. 
So with that being said, and I take a deep breath because I have to wonder with Kyler Yamamoto. Kyler has had a tough couple games. He's fighting the puck clearly. Um, I don't think this is like the the player. Obviously, he's fighting something. He's gonna he's gonna get to it eventually. But he's averaging like between sixteen to nineteen minutes a night. And you have a guy like Dylan Holloway, who's playing five minutes what five minutes and thirty nine seconds on five minutes twenty nine seconds last night. Well, I would like to see more of a rotation of the wingers. Like this is the problem with the pairings we were mm-hmm. talking about. Yeah is that I'd like to see a rotation of the wingers with Yamamoto, Pugliarvi, and Holloway maybe, and the three of them rotating and having more even time on ice versus because Yamamoto's on Dreisaitl's line, he's playing more Dreisaitl-esque minutes yeah. and getting more ice time just because he's on that line. I'd like to see more like rolling those lines and maybe being having Holloway closer to 10 and Yamamoto and Pugliarvi maybe closer to like 13 or even like 12 maybe. I don't fully know, but yeah, like in my opinion, if Holloway can keep playing the way he is, especially he should be getting more ice time and being rewarded for it. It's similar to like McLeod last season, kept improving, improving and getting more and more ice time and being rewarded for being a good effective player. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I think that's an option. The other thing that I, I'm just throwing out there. Are you going to say the T word? What? Trade? Oh, fuck no. No, 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 <laughs> no, like, no. I don't no, want to no, trade no, anybody. No, fuck no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 not that worried yet. Um, I was just thinking, like, if Holloway's playing the way he played last night, and he's going to play six, seven, let's even say eight minutes a game, send him to fucking Bakersfield. Yeah, well, that is the only other option. Is yeah. like call up Yanmark or something like yes. that and send Holloway down so he can play top line down there with Rody and Benson, assuming everybody's healthy. And, and I, I, it, I, it I, makes way more sense than having him play on the fourth line. I, I and get, get an assist every five games. Yeah, I, I get Yamamoto getting the opportunity. He's obviously the veteran. We've he has a proven record of what he can do in the NHL. He's just struggling right now. Yeah, and um, everybody has cold streaks, especially guys exactly. like Yamamoto. He's always been a streaky player. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure there'll be a span of 10 games coming up where he'll somehow have 15 points or something. And we'll be like, Yamamoto's the best. Let's sign him to eight-year deal. But yeah. yeah, I agree that they need to do something with Holloway. And I don't know about his contract if they're still doing the nine-game. So I, um, I did some reading on this. I think it's only eligible if you are 20 or younger. And okay. you have you, you, I think it's if you turn twenty on the fifteenth of September, something like that. But he's twenty one years old anyway, so um, he doesn't get that that slide for his entry draft. Okay. So because if there's I mean, if there's a slide, I would say send him down, especially yeah. if we're going to play him like this. But if not, we should think something. Mm-hmm. We need to do something with yeah. this. <laughs> like I don't agree with playing him five minutes. I was super surprised to see his time on ice being five minutes right considering how noticeable he was in that game yeah i saw that and i was like i would have guessed he played at least 10 minutes mm-hmm. um but yeah i don't know what woodcroft's doing there and this is what i was getting at by him like trusting his young players and his rookies and i was mentioning how maybe it's more the guys he's familiar with with mcleod and skinner and maybe he's not going to be as willing to give holloway the time of day mm-hmm. because holloway to be fair in those first couple games Really looked out of sorts, made a couple really bad plays, uh, was looking weak on the puck, 
and then obviously he got injured with that big hit. That's true. So I guess with a really good game in Calgary, does this change moving forward? Well, that's the thing. I'd like to see next game minimum his like ice time increase. Um, hopefully up to like that eight to ten mark, Adam. Yeah. Like that's what I would hope. And to be honest, that's what I expect. Would he give me ten minutes, please, for Tuesday? Um, yeah. The the other thing I just wanted to quickly mention. Um, so I guess to recap, the Oilers want to boost the tires for for Yams and uh, Campbell. Just get those guys confidence. Just get it. Get them continually playing well. Well, Yamamoto, um, to be fair, same with Pugliarvi, for that matter. They've both been extremely effective with the puck not on their sticks. I would. That was going to be my my last point, is I wanted to talk about Pugliarvi. Yeah, like both of them have been very good without the puck. Mm-hmm. But Pugliarvi especially, as soon as that puck seems to hit his stick, he just panics or something and like thinks he doesn't have as much time, can't seem to take passes properly, can't get good shots off. Like, I don't really know what's going on in his head, but as soon as he doesn't have the puck, it's like all the pressure's off his shoulders, and he's in there forechecking. He's in there lifting sticks, creating turnovers, like, doing everything you need to. And I think that's why his advanced stats are so good. Yeah. Um, But he needs to somehow figure something out to do with having the puck on his stick. Okay, I don't know if I I talked about this, but the first thing I was just going to chat about Pugliarvi is I thought he played extremely physical in the Calgary game. Yeah, he had one hit especially that was really good. And it was like, that's what you need to see out of him. The shove back on Lucic at the bench. Like, I'm not saying he's bowling guys over, but he's playing physical for Pugliarvi. The second thing I'm going to throw out there, and I I hope I haven't talked about this yet, I think Pugliarvi's stick is too long. Well, I remember specifically, it was might have even been like two or three years ago, that Gregor would not stop talking about it. Okay. Where he was like, his stick is too long. Yeah. And he needs to cut it down because he has no stick handling because his stick is too long. And uh, I still think it's the case. I mm-hmm. think he shortened it actually from when he first came over. But clearly there's still something out there because there's got to be a reason why he has no control over the puck. So I, I went in and I watched a couple of those like flimsy shots that he's had or when he whiffs on it. It, when the puck's on the toe of his stick and he rolls it back to his heel, because the puck moves so much inside and the stick is so long, his hands aren't moving, so his fi- like stick is fixed to his body. It slides right off and he's shooting at nothing. Yeah. So just cut an inch off. Give it a shot in practice. Like tweak with it a little bit. Yeah, I don't know how or what it's going to take to get that through to him for him to make that change. Yeah. I would hope the like equipment staff would be like. You should try this, please. For the love of God, please. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I'm obviously not an NHL coach, but that was just something I was curious about. But, um, yeah, just quickly wrapping up. Um, a lot, Not a lot has gone on in terms of the NHL in terms of trades this year, but uh, our uh, fellow... F- There's a lot of loud cars tonight. Have you noticed that? Yeah, welcome to Alberta. <laughs> I hope everyone can hear that. I mean, if you're riding a motorbike in basically November, yeah, not not a bad. Anyways, uh, Ethan Bear. <laughs> yeah, so Ethan Bear was traded to the Canucks for essentially a box of scraps, but it's nice to see him go somewhere where he might actually get a chance to play. Yeah, because he was getting pretty buried in Carolina, which was really unfortunate. Now that they have Burns too, like they had Burns Pesci on the right side. And then I believe there is, like, this rookie or this, like, HL kind of veteran who cracked Carolina's lineup on the right side who has just been, like, working his ass off and just playing, outplaying Bear, essentially. Yeah, um, it's 
And if there's one thing the Canucks need, it's right-handed defensemen. I was just going to say that. <laughs> they need to get Luke Shen off that fucking top pairing ASAP. <laughs> yes. Um, just some other news that you had here. So I, I didn't probably wasn't as pissed off. I think I'm just so like numb to this, but the live board ads are finally getting to you. They've gotten to me long okay. ago. <laughs> but like I noticed even in this last game, like Skinner would go behind the net to play the puck and the board would just be glitching with his like jersey. Like the white on white, yeah. yeah. And then the, one of the most infuriating things is the animated ads when like there was literally the yeah. one ad where the puck starts in the corner and rolls all the way across. And, like, it's so distracting. It makes your eyes, like, drag away from the play and watching the game because you're like, oh, the ads. And I'm guessing that's the point Mm -hmm. because the ads want to draw your attention so you think about them. But this is just, like, I know I'm going to harp on it again. It's like all the ads on 1260 and stuff. It's, like, it's so invasive and annoying that it's the same shit always happening that it's making me not like those products even more because they're associated with, like, just monotonous, repetitive bullshit. Yeah. And this is just ruining the game for me. And I was even reading some people's comments where they're like, this is getting to the point where I can't watch the games. Mm-hmm. They're like, I'm listening to it on radio now because it's so, like, jarring to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you've noticed, too, with Edmonton. Like, Edmonton has always had an extremely bright arena. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, the boards, not until you realize it, but uh, uh, the boards have always kind of dimmed it a little bit. But now with these, like, fluorescent white ads that are coming like i don't know if you've ever been down highway two and there's that that gigantic billboard outside of blackjacks um no free ads but anytime they show like uh an ad at like 11 o'clock at night when you're driving down the highway it blinds you oh yeah it's what it's like looking at the um uh the oilers games when they play at home it's just like it's so bright yeah you gotta they gotta figure out what to do with that like the number one thing or I guess there's two things that I think would be the most important. One, get rid of the animated ads because that's way too distracting. Right. And number two, the boards should not change during live play. They should only change between whistles. And then they could be that way until there's another whistle, and then you can change the ads to the next ones. And if company don't have a pro- or have a problem with it, just bill them for the fucking ice time that they get. Well, exactly. And then they can complain, Coach, I want more ice time. <laughs> It's like, trade me. <laughs> Too funny. Um, and then finally, the Arkells played Edmonton last night. I, I didn't hear about this. I just saw a clip on, uh, I think it was Reddit, that uh, they were playing uh, La Bamba during the concert. Oh, and no all, way. And all of the people in the stands were singing along and everything like that. It was great. That's a nice touch because I know they've been coming out and uh, doing a couple ABBA covers on their, their tour across Canada. So um, to... Uh, n- I was going to say pander to Edmonton. I don't think that was it. I think it was more so to be like, hey, guys, I know what this cool thing's going on in your city. Yeah, Let's I think the Arkells, I don't know for sure, but I'm fairly certain that they're very, like, they really like hockey. And specifically, yeah. I think some of them are, they like the city of Edmonton and maybe even just like the Oilers in general. Um, but it's always nice to see an act coming to town and catering their performance to the city because they like the city versus like comedians who come here and just shit talk Edmonton, for example. <laughs> Tom so, Segura. Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, like there's a lot of comedians that come yeah. here and they're like this fucking city. <laughs> yeah. It, it, that, uh, that might've been, uh, so uh, I, I'm guessing you didn't go to the show, but you just saw it. Yeah. I just saw uh, the clip. I didn't go to the show. Yeah. That, that's one thing I was disappointed. At. I really want to see the Arkells in concert, but, uh, another day and maybe another dollar. <laughs> Well, another dollar. I'm sure the ticket prices were 
fucking crazy. <laughs> You've so. got to save up from Blink. Like, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to that concert because I can't ah. afford to mortgage my fucking house to buy a buy a ticket to a Blink concert. Oh, it's so stupid how expensive those things are getting. But yeah, well, it's just a matter of time, and I'm pretty sure it already has that. It leaks into sports more and everything like that. It's somebody's got to release and get in that market and get rid of gouging and get rid of scalping. Okay, so just to wrap things up on a uh, on a hockey related note, I did see the results from. Um, the uh, the game against Pittsburgh, in terms of tickets and sellouts and stuff, there was over a thousand tickets available to that game against Pittsburgh. That is a huge like what the fuck NHL. All like two hundred dollar tickets, I'm sure. For yeah, nosebleeds. You're seeing two of the best players on the planet play against each other, and you can't sell that game out. Well, like you think they'd be making enough money off their fucking concession or something like that that they don't need to gouge <laughs> you on ticket prices too. Yeah, like. I've, t- I've talked about this in the past, and my opinion mm-hmm. of stuff is that, like, businesses, which I'm sure the Oilers, all they see is, like, we need to be have exponential growth. If we're not making more profit margin than we were last year, then we're falling behind. So yeah. prices get more expensive, but the quality of everything stays the same. So, like, if I'm going to go buy popcorn for 20 bucks at the arena, that better be either the biggest or the best goddamn popcorn I've ever had in my life. That better have, like, truffle <laughs> in it. It better have, like, those gold flakes inside my popcorn. Like, But, no, it's just the same old dirt popcorn that you get everywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully there'll come a day where I can afford to go to Rogers for, A, a game, B, park there, and C, you know, Maybe have something to drink and eat while I'm there, because I uh, a fucking three hundred dollar night for myself is a little stupid. Yeah, it's it's a little ridiculous. But um, what's not stupid? The Oilers got a bunch of games coming up this week, uh, as we had mentioned before. Tuesday against Nashville, Thursday against the Devils, Saturday Dallas, Monday night. Uh, we might be might be recording during the Washington game. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I don't maybe know how we'll well record, that went. Maybe we'll record on Sunday again so we don't record during a hockey game again. <laughs> Did not go so well. Not the best. <laughs> uh, but that being said, I guess we'll have lots to uh, touch on next week. So uh, with that being said, let's go Oilers. We'll see you next week.